So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. We're going to listen to a little music and let these, like, platforms roll out. I'm Stacy Lynn. Yeah, I am. This is Chris Rice. Looked out my window last night from my pillow and I saw the willow weeping a casual sigh. The man in the moon looked rather sad and confused as if he Become a mirror to my watery eyes. I dreamed and prayed. We got a good show for you tonight, I promise you. Yeah, I do. If you're watching the replay, you can fast forward a few minutes. Then he sent you along like a summer day With a blue sky smile on your funny face And a bird flew by singing everything's gonna be okay So we laughed all day with the man in the moon And we thanked the good Lord for the afternoon Cause he showed me his love by sending me you And it's okay Everything's okay That's why I'm playing this really Cause I just want you to know Everything will be okay, people. Yeah, it will. Hear the rain fall tonight, whispering that everything is alright. Long, low, and gentle rumble starts in the west and tumbles across the corners of the colorless sky. I blow a kiss through the dark. Sails on the thunder and reaches heaven. <laughs> Like a summer day With the blue sky smile on your funny face And a bird flew by Singing everything's gonna be Okay, yeah So we laughed all day with the man in the moon And we thank the good Lord for the afternoon Cause he showed me his love For sending me you And it's okay now Everything's okay Yeah, it is people Everything is okay, people. Don't worry about it. I'm going to share some bad news with you, but it will be okay. Because I'll do it with an upbeat way. Alright, listen to the music, okay? Don't you like this? This is a good riff, isn't it? Here we go. Here's the riff. And we showed me his love. Okay, now I sent you along like a sunny day. With the blue sky smile on your funny face. And a bird flew by singing everything's gonna be okay, yeah. Everything's okay. Yeah, it is. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. 
there you go, people. Chris Rice says everything's okay. So, there you go. All right, so now that the fun part of the show is over, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into some nitty-gritty of some stuff. So, you know, one of the... One of the um, uh, challenges of doing this show a couple times a week as opposed to every day is that it's often a challenge to bring you current news that isn't like a couple days old. But what I have to tell you is that tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you some clips that took place during the impeachment hearings that took place earlier this week because um, I'm pretty sure most of you didn't sit and watch it um, and as I was sitting and I was watching it um, I was really struck with the two mutually exclusive worldviews that were vying for the world's attention right and um, so I've picked a couple of from both sides that we're going to listen to. And interestingly, both sides invoke God. Very interesting, right? Um, but before we do that, I want to welcome anybody. If you're a new listener to the show, I am Stacy Lynn Harp. I'm the host of this show. My husband, Randall, also known as Bareface is my co-host and he's the guy that puts all the graphics up he runs all the video so if anything technical goes wrong it's his fault not mine <laughs> and uh <laughs> but if, ever, if anything goes right it is all his fault how you have nothing to do with it just so you know if you like the show well you know anyway you can go over to our website biblenewsradio.com go over there Learn a little bit more about us on our bio page. There's really nothing else there. We're going to change that at some point. Uh, we are a nonprofit. Heart Tug International is our nonprofit that is the over company or whatever you want to call it of Bible News Radio. So if you ever want to donate to the show, if you like what we do, it's just us husband and wife team doing it. Anything you give to us goes to us so that we can keep paying our bills. So you can do that. It's a nonprofit donation. It's a tax deductible donation. All right. Um, so I wanted to share with you in the beginning here a passage from God's word um, because I think it really fits with our time and this morning I was in a Bible study and this was what was being taught and I thought you know why not I'll show I'll share it tonight it's from 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and just so you know bareface you don't have to put it up I can just read it you don't have to you know you keep doing what you're doing over there making everything look super great behind the scenes um, so 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. By the way, this was uh, Timothy, um, it was 2 Timothy chapter 3. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, mal malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, 
Avoid such men as these. For among, among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Jan, Jan, Janis, I guess, uh, and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janice and Jambri's folly was also was, was also. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Ichneum, 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 Iconium, Iconium, <laughs> what do I know, <laughs> and Lystria, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you, you have known the sacred writings which were able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So there's a lot there. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but here's just a couple of things I want to pull out because when they were pulled out this morning, I was like, yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought of that. So I thought I'd share this with you. So the first thing I want to throw in here is that um, all of the 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 fruit of the flesh the men will become be lovers of self lovers of money boastful arrogant revilers disobedient to parents ungrateful unholy irreconcilable unloving all this stuff but haters of good haters of good was brought out this morning in our study and i was like yeah haters of good you know isaiah 5 20 says in part good will be called evil and evil will be called good and i don't think that i've ever lived during um a, a time where so many people look at good and they hate it i mean if you just look at basic things like like a pre-born baby you know uh, in fact, I was reading a post on Facebook this morning. Somebody, uh, a, a woman pregnant with a child was griping and complaining that, you know, that um, her husband wanted her to stay home with her new baby to be, you know, and that she was complaining because she was like, oh, I don't have a job and, you know, I want to work and blah, 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 blah. And her husband wants to support her and her baby. But this woman was griping and complaining about it. And I'm thinking, and, and a lady wrote, and she, a, a woman commented and she said, you know what, lady, well, she didn't quite say it this way, but she basically said, you know what, I'm a barren woman. You really need to stop complaining and look at your blessing, <laughs> you know. 
you know, when a parent can't acknowledge that having a child is a good thing, it's like they're hate, it's a hate, haters of good, or like, you know, keeping a baby instead of aborting it, you know, it's like, oh, we don't want to do that, we want to, we'd rather abort the baby, you know, instead of, instead of keep it, and put it up for adoption if you don't want that child, you know, it's like they're a hater of good, they're a hater of the good decision, it's like, yeah, we, we totally lived during that day and age, for sure. So without self-control, brutal, you know, brutality is like on the rise. I mean, all you gotta do is watch YouTube. There's so much brutality there. Anyway, so, but but I think here, Paul, one of the things that he, he hammers in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 3, 5, he says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. You know, so these are, these are the people who name Jesus' name, but they have no clue who he is. They're the ones that say, God bless America, but they, they, they advocate for everything on behalf of the devil and not God. Um, <clears throat> so, without going into a sermon on this, we're living in these days. And so, <clears throat> so what I want to do is I want to show you tonight some of the clips from the impeachment hearing. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to season my language with salt, people. <laughs> Just so you, <laughs> so, you can, so you can see what happened because I'm telling you, there's like two, <laughs> like worldviews, like, like fighting for attention. On the one hand, you have the worldview that <clears throat> is, it, you know, it's just saying, you know, Donald Trump is an insurrectionist and he's evil and he should die, basically. <laughs> then you have the other side that's like, hey, wait just a second. There's some other stuff out there you guys aren't even showing us. And I'm going to tell you something. I've gotten a lot of stuff sent to me from you guys who watch me. And there's been a lot of very interesting video that's been uncovered. And, um, there's a lot of untruths out there that aren't being, you know, that, that are being promoted and the truth is not being spoken about as, you know, as obvious. So, but for tonight's instructional moment, what we'll look at is we're going to look at some clips, some worldview clips. So, uh, Randall, let's see, where should we start? I was about to ask you the same. Okay. I think like with which. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing which? I'd like to look at is Jamie. Butler, I think that's how you say her name. It's B-E-T. Well, anyway, you'll see it. Her name, and, and she is somebody who opposes the um, the impeachment of Donald Trump. Um, so I think we'll look at her first, because I'm pretty sure not all of you guys saw this. And uh, I took some time, a little bit of time, to pull these clips and make them myself from C-SPAN. So, um, so we can go ahead and throw that one up here. Just pay attention to what Jamie has to say. Oh, there's play buttons just in the middle. There's not one on the bottom of the player. If we stand united, and I yield back. Gentleman from Ohio yields back. The gentleman from Ohio wishes to reserve. The gentleman from New York is recognized. Speaker, I now yield uh, one minute to the distinguished gentlelady from Washington, Mr. Air Butler. The gentlewoman from uh, Washington is recognized for one minute. My fellow Americans, I rise today to stand against our enemy. And to clarify, our enemy isn't the president 
or the president-elect. Fear is our enemy. Fear tells us what we want to hear. It incites anger and violence and fire. But it also haunts us into silence and inaction. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of what people will say or think. I'm afraid of being devalued. I'm not afraid of losing my job, but I am afraid that my country will fail. I'm afraid patriots of this country have died in vain. I'm afraid my children won't grow up in a free country. I'm afraid injustice will prevail. But truth, truth sets us free from fear. Truth doesn't guarantee bad things won't happen, but it does promise to always prevail in the end. It has no shadows where darkness can hide. With truth comes love, and we could use that right now. My vote to impeach our sitting president is not a fear-based decision. I am not choosing a side. I'm choosing truth. It's the only way to defeat fear. The gentlewoman yields back. The gentleman from New York wishes to reserve his time. Okay, so that was that was one clip against the impeachment. All right, so the next clip. Was it against? Yeah. Yeah, she, she was against the impeachment. Okay, because she mentioned her vote for the impeachment. I don't think so. Okay, it was hard to tell. I mean, she's talking about fear, and that's good. No, fear isn't good, but that she says your enemy wasn't the president or the president-elect. But then she said, that's why my vote for the impeachment. All right, listen. Okay, I want to hear it again, then, because that's not what I heard. If you're right, then... Nation. To defeat fear. Okay. I'm pretty sure she was voting for the president to not be impeached doesn't guarantee bad things won't happen but it does promise to always prevail in the end it has no shadows where darkness can hide with truth comes love and we could use that right now my vote to impeach our sitting our vote my vote to impeach our i don't know what happened to the volume <laughs> it's the only way to defeat fear Okay. Truth doesn't guarantee bad things won't happen, but it does promise to always prevail in the end. It has no shadows where darkness can hide. With truth comes love, and we could use that right now. My vote to impeach our sitting... Okay, she isn't, she's not voting to impeach. It's the only way to defeat fear. I don't know why... Woman- <laughs> It's like now that we go to listen to it. That's, that's we should put aside our differences. Okay, I'm well, anyway, let's get ground. to the, let's All right. the next... Let's do the next clip because because what, what I'm is pretty, the next clip? I'm pretty sure when I screenshot this, so I can go back and watch it, that she she did not vote to impeach the president. Okay. Oh, as far as the way her vote's recorded. Right. Okay. So Sheila Jackson, let's play her. Now she stood out to me. Sheila Jackson stood out to me because she pretty much impugned every Donald Trump supporter. So let's listen to her. She's a Democrat. This other lady was a Republican. I thank you. Contrary to my good friend's words, the President of the United States is an insurrectionist. He led an insurrection against the United States of America. Prior to the January 6th attack by violent domestic terrorists, the President spoke to the crowd for one hour. And these were his words. These were his words, which is that we cannot take the nation back. We have to take the nation back with strength. And you must go and do that. Those were the paraphrase of his words. The president provoked these domestic terrorists with words, with actions, and conduct that portray and have contempt and hostility to the national value of equal justice under the law. Telling domestic terrorists, nearly all of them were white 
supremacists, many of them, who support him politically, who stormed the Capitol to derail Congress from completing its constitutionally required duty of counting and verifying the votes. Gentlewoman's time has expired. Gentleman from Massachusetts reserves. The gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I yield one minute to my very good friend, the distinguished member. So, so clearly she's got problems, right? Really, she's like, Grr. all right. I, nothing like a paraphrase. I know. Well, a paraphrase of words to right. Well, and that's what you'll know in in a lot of this. Okay, so up next is up next is let's see here. I'm going through my notes that I sent you. Let's go to let's see, Lauren. No, Lauren. Did we do Lauren? No. Yeah. Let's do Lauren. Bobert. Bobert, I think that's I how you say it. Watch, listen to listen to the beginning of what she says, though, just like the very first part. Is recognized. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield one minute to the gentlelady from uh, Colorado. The gentlewoman from Colorado is recognized for one minute. Glory to God. Madam Speaker, I rise today to oppose this impeachment and denounce the recent violence on the Capitol. Just as I oppose the previous impeachment and the violence we've all witnessed all summer long across our great country. Make no mistake here, the hypocrisy of the left is on full display. Quote, go to the Hill, get in the face of some Congress people. We've got to fight in Congress, fight in the courts, fight in the streets. Take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Take him, go and take Trump out tonight. Sound familiar? What about the gentlewoman from New York who defended the looting by saying looters just wanted loaves of bread? Well, the last I checked, Best Buy and Teslas and stores of the like do not produce baked goods. <clears throat> Where's the accountability for the left after encouraging and normalizing violence? Rather than actually helping American people in this time, we start impeachments that further divide our country. I call bullcrap when I hear the Democrats demanding unity. Sadly, they are only unified in hate. Inspired. Thank you, I yield. So unlike Representative Lee, she actually shut up and she yielded her time. But do you see at the beginning how she said, glory to God, and then she let him have it. Did you see that? That was so awesome. I, I love that part. Um, <clears throat> all right, and now let's play. Nancy Pelosi. Now, this is a long-winded one, okay? I, I'm sorry to do this to you, but the, the reason I am playing this, this is about five or six minutes, maybe eight, maybe eight minutes, um, is because you, there are so many lies in this that it's, it's astounding to me this woman could do this with a straight face. Of course, she has a mask on the whole time, but anyway, that's beside the point. So, Nancy Pelosi, this was one of her rants at the impeachment hearing, and um, I will do my best to try not to interrupt it. <laughs> but I might, just so you know, I might have to pay attention. California, Ms. Pelosi. I will say, gentleman pay, from California. <clears throat> pay attention to how she uses God here. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I thank the gentleman for yielding and for his leadership. Madam Speaker, in his annual address to our predecessors in Congress, in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln spoke of the duty of the patriot in an hour of decisive crisis for the American people. Fellow citizens, he said, we cannot escape history. 
We will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. We, even we here, he said, hold the power and bear the responsibility. In the Bible, St. Paul wrote, think on these things. Wait a minute. We what, must wait. think Pause. on what Lincoln told us. <laughs> okay, did you see that? Okay, first of all, I just have to say something. She's quoting Lincoln, who, who I don't think would agree with her. And then she quotes Paul, who wrote, and think upon these things. I bet you she doesn't even know where that's out in the Bible, just so you know. But I can tell you it's in the book of Philippians, and it has nothing to do with what Abraham Lincoln said. So that, that right there, just so you know, that, that's, that's using the Bible in a, in a wrong way. But anyway, go on. Or do you have a comment? Well, I mean, I find out on my own, but she doesn't go back to what that, what precedes that. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever no. things are pure, whatsoever things are good report, no. if there be any virtue, nope. anything praised. Nope. Think upon these things. That's all she says. She it's, uses it. Says, it. She uses <laughs> the Apostle Paul said, think on these things. She uses it to affirm <laughs> Lincoln. Just continue. This gets okay. better. This, this gets this gets even better. Better, huh? Yeah. Hard to imagine. All right. Stand by. We even here, even us here, hold the power and bear the responsibility. We, you and I, hold in trust the power that derives most directly from the people of the United States. And we bear the responsibility to fill that oath that we all swear before God and before one another. The oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help us God. We know that we faced enemies of the Constitution. We know we experienced the insurrection that violated the sanctity of the people's capital and attempted to overturn the duly recorded will of the American people. And we know that the President of the United States incited this insurrection, this armed rebellion against our common country. Armed rebellion. He must go. He is a clear and present danger to the nation that we all love. Since the presidential election in November, an election the President lost, he has repeatedly held about the, uh, lied about the outcome, sowed self-serving doubt about democracy, and unconstitutionally sought to influence state officials to repeal reality. And then came that day of fire we all experienced. The president must be impeached, and I believe the president must be convicted by the Senate, a constitutional remedy that will ensure that the Republic will be safe from this man who was so resolutely determined to tear down the things that we hold dear and that hold us together. It gives me no pleasure to say this. It breaks my heart. It should break your heart. It should break all of our hearts 
for your presence in this hallowed chamber is testament to your love for our country, for America, and to your faith in the work of our founders to create a more perfect union. Those insurrectionists were not patriots. They were not part of a political base to be catered to and managed. They were domestic terrorists, and justice must prevail. But they did not appear out of a vacuum. They were sent here, sent here by the president with words such as a cry to fight like hell. Words matter. Truth matters. Accountability matters. In his public exhortations to him, the president saw the insurrectionists not as the, face, the foes of freedom, as they are, but as a means to a terrible goal, the goal of his personally clinging to power, the goal of thwarting the will of the people, the goal of ending in a fiery and bloody clash nearly two and a half centuries of our democracy. This is not theoretical. And this is not motivated by partisanship. I stand before you today as an officer of the Constitution, a speaker of the House of Representatives. I stand before you as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a daughter, a daughter whose father proudly served in this Congress, Thomas Del Sandro Jr. from Maryland, one of the first Italian-Americans to serve in the Congress. And I stand here before you today as the noblest of things, a citizen of the United States of America. With my voice and my vote, with a plea to all of you, Democrats and Republicans, I ask you to search your souls and answer these questions. Is the president's war on democracy in keeping with the Constitution? Were his words an insurrectionary mob a high crime and misdemeanor? Do we not have the duty to our oath to do all we constitutionally can to protect our nation and our democracy from the appetites and ambitions of a man who has self-evidently demonstrated that he is a vital threat to liberty, to self-government, and to the rule of law? Our country is divided. We all know that. There are lies abroad in the land spread by a desperate president who feels his power <laughs> slipping away. We know that too, but I know this as well, that we here in this house have a sacred obligation to stand for truth, to stand up for the Constitution, to stand as guardians of the Republic. In a speech he was prepared to give in Dallas on Friday, November 27th. Pay attention to this part. 1963. President John F. Kennedy was to say, we in this country, in this generation, are by destiny rather than choice, the watchmen on the walls of world freedom. We ask, therefore, that we may be worthy of our power and responsibility, that we may be worthy. President Kennedy was assassinated before he could deliver those words to the nation, but they resonate more even now, in our time, in this place. Let us be worthy of our power and responsibility that what Lincoln thought was the world's last best hope, the United States of America, may long survive. 
My fellow members, my fellow Americans, we cannot escape history. Let us embrace our duty, fulfill our oath, and honor the trust of our nation. And we, we pray that God will continue to bless America. I thank you, Madam Speaker, and you'll bet. <laughs> okay, so... from New York? All right, so just a couple of things. Just, just got to pull out just a couple of things. First of all, why do you think was... Why was, why was Kennedy assassinated, people? If you don't listen to the liberal media and you look at actual fact, uh, part of the reason Kennedy was assassinated was because of the very thing Donald Trump is trying to do now. He knows what's going on. He's trying to overturn the dark, deep state. Secondly, um, she talks about all these things that, you know, high crimes and misdemeanors. She was describing Hillary Clinton here in that. I think she got Trump and Hillary confused because everything she said totally applies to Hillary Clinton. And Hillary should be behind bars in a striped yellow orange suit, whatever they wear in jail now. Um, but, but she's just sitting back, you know, the purveyor of death and destruction that she is. And so I'm like going, what alternate reality is this woman living in? Bareface, you have any thoughts? Well, she asked some very insightful questions. <clears throat> and maybe you can turn my microphone down because I'm, looks like I'm clipping. Anyway, so and she asked some very insightful questions. <clears throat> I don't remember the exact questions, but her questions of the nature like, um, search your souls. Does the ill-conceived and and wrongful statements of the Bible on human nature belong anymore in our society? <laughs> How do you answer that? There's a presumption too. I don't remember, you know, does you know Donald Trump's ill-conceived or his his racist statements, or whatever do they, whatever. The questions assume a a you know a position that you have to agree with in order to answer it. And any way that you answer it confirms the you know presupposition. And brilliant, brilliant. Just just like a politician. Imagine that. Um, this is a woman who advocates for the murder of babies in the womb, okay? I'm, she also advocates for unnatural same-sex relations yeah. as well as other evil stuff that the Bible condemns and calls an abomination, really. And she Indeed. invokes God to bless America. What God is she talking about here? Um, yeah, the the convenient <laughs> one. Like like <laughs> a lot of lot of like a lot of self-identified Christians, you know, a, a god of their making. Well, her word her They're, favorite word is the word. Didn't you know that? I know. It's the word that but, she doesn't clearly read. Anyway. Apparently. Whatever happens on Capitol Hill, I'm I whoever is speaking something on Capitol Hill, I look at it with um just skepticism great skepticism yeah whatever no matter what letter is after their name because can i can i have that article i gave you sure it's we you were gonna pull it up right well i wanted to read it this way <laughs> yeah i was thinking uh i was thinking that when she talked about the day of fire that they all experienced let's think of 9 11 
Oh, I thought maybe she meant that she was confusing January 6th with what happened to Reichstag in 1933, oh, but maybe. I don't know. All right. So basically, I am going to play, Rand, Rand, I'm going to have Randall play one more clip in a little bit of our current president, who shall not be president in a few days. Um, but before we do, I'm now going to pretend I am a broadcaster. Yeah, I am. Um, the good American. Pay attention to this, people. Okay. This is Dennis Prager. He wrote this on 1-12-2021. He writes, In my last column, I described how I have come to better understand the moral problem of the, quote, good German. The term used to describe the average, presumably decent German who did nothing to hurt Jews, but also did nothing to help them and did nothing to undermine the Nazi regime. Watching America accept the rationally and morally indefensible physical and economic lockdown of the country, I concluded, apathy in the face of tyranny turns out not to be a German or Russian characteristic. I just never thought it could happen in America. In one week, it has gotten worse. Now we are faced with a lockdown on speech of the likes which have never been seen in America, and the parallels with Germany are even more stark. The left-wing party, the Democrats, and the left-wing media, the mainstream media, are using the mob invasion of the capital exactly the way the Nazis used the, the Reich, Reichstag fire. Did I say that right? Reichstag, yes. It's a Pretty miracle. Good. <laughs> On February 27th, 1933, exactly one month after the Nazis came to power, the German parliament building, the Reichstag was set ablaze. The Nazis blamed the fire on their arch enemy, the communists, and used the fire to essentially extinguish the communist party and its ability to publish, speak, or otherwise spread its message. Using the Reichstag fire as an excuse, the Nazis passed the Enabling Act, a law that gave the Nazi Chancellor Adolf Hitler the power to pass laws by decree without the Reichstag, or however you say that. Now to America 2021. On January 6th, 2021, a right-wing mob of a few hundred people broke away from a peaceful right-wing protest involving tens, if not hundreds of thousands of American conservatives and forced its way into the U.S. Capitol. One Capitol policeman was killed after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, and one of the right-wing Capitol invaders was shot by a Capitol police officer. A handful of others who died in the vicinity of the Capitol did so of nonviolent causes. Aside from smashed windows, the mob seems to have done little damage to the Capitol. Their intent is still not clear. It seems to have been largely catharsis. They hurt no legislatures, legislators, and if they intended to overthrow the government, they were delusional. Beginning the next day, the American left used the Capitol mob just as the Nazis used the Reichstag or however you say that, as an excuse to subjugate its conservative enemies and further squelch civil liberties in America, specifically freedom of speech. Twitter not only permanently banned the account president of the United States, but permanently banned him from Twitter. Any Twitter account found tweeting Donald Trump was permanently banned. By the way, I am going to tell you, um, last year, my Stacey Harp account was completely deleted on Twitter. I did nothing, just so you know. Uh, and I did sell my Twitter stock, and I'm very happy to say that 
When I last looked, Twitter and Facebook, they've lost close to $60 billion in stock uh, because people decided to sell their stock like I did. My whole $59, yeah, I did. Hey, but you know what? Me and a whole bunch of other people had the right idea. Anyway, this article goes on to say, the left was able to do all this not only by using the capital mob incident, but also by engaging in a series of lies. The first was blaming the attack on President Donald Trump over and over in every left-wing medium and stated repeatedly by Democrats, Trump is blamed for inciting the riot in his speech just before it took place. Almost never is a Trump quote cited. Well, paraphrase as, is as, good as, enough. As, I, as we just showed you, okay? Because there is none. On the contrary, he did say, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Another lie was the immediate labeling of the mob attack on the Capitol as an insurrection. All left-wing media and Democrats now refer to the event as an insurrection. As you just heard me play Pelosi say that. A term defined by almost every dictionary as an act or instance of revolting against civil authority or an established government. As morally repulsive as the actions of the mob were, they did not constitute a revolt against civil authority or an established government. Disrupting the work of legislatures for a few hours, as wrong as that was, does not constitute a revolt. But what proves the left's insurrection label is a lie is that the Democrats and their media never once labeled the left-wing riots of 2020, which involved the destruction by fire and or occupation and vandalizing of police stations and the establishment of autonomous zones, which by definition revolted against established governments as an insurrection. The enormous number of businesses burned down, looted, or otherwise destroyed was barely covered by the mainstream media, and their violent perpetrators were almost never prosecuted, let alone condemned, as engaging in an insurrection. Dozens of people were, were killed in these riots, yet there was, there, was, there was more outcry and condemnation against the hours-long occupation of the U.S. Capitol than against six months of left-wing violent riots. Then, like the Nazi regime after the Reichstag fire, the left immediately moved to further curtail civil liberties, specifically conservatives' ability to promote their ideas. Twitter and Amazon made it impossible for the alternative to Twitter parlor to exist all in the name of preventing another right-wing, quote, insurrection. In the name of the Capitol insurrection, the Democrats announced they would impeach the President of the United States, though he had only 14 days left in office. In the name of the Capitol insurrection, the editor of Forbes, Randall Lane, announced that Forbes media was holding those who lied for Trump accountable and what he called a truth reckoning. Hire any of Trump's press secretaries, Lane warned, and Forbes will assume that everything your company or firms talk about is a lie. In the name of the Capitol mob attack, 159 law professors at Chapman University, which I used to live literally down the street from, uh, have called for the firing of John Eastman, a tenured fellow law professor and holder of an endowed chair at Chapman, because his actions Wednesday that helped incite a riot. Eastman had spoken at the Trump rally. The professors ended their Los Angeles Times letter, He does not belong on our campus. Words well chosen. What the left is doing is announcing and enforcing that conservatives do not belong in our society. 
The parallels to 1933 are precise, and most good Americans are keeping silent just as did most Germans, though they do not risk being beaten up. Are Americans in 2021 as afraid of the American left as Germans in 1933 were of the German fascists? We're about to find out. And that was Dennis Prager who wrote that. He would know. Um, And what I'm going to tell you is that uh, um, (laughs) Psalm 37, you should read it. I'm actually going to do a Bible study in this. So if you're interested in joining me for a study in Psalm 37, then uh, that will that might encourage you a little bit. But um, the amazing thing about all of this stuff that's been going on, and why I'm not as upset about you know, like I'm not I'm not like having high blood pressure over it like some people I know they're about ready to lose their minds, um, is because it's very clear. It's so clear what's going on. I mean, it's completely clear what's going on. Um, and yet, and yet, God in his sovereignty is allowing this to take place. And so, as I've stated before, my exhortation to you, oh fellow believer, is what are you going to do when they come after you? Because I'm going to tell you something. I have watched Twitter ban people. Uh, Then, of course, Facebook is censoring people. Amazon took down Parler's hosting and knocked Parler out. Now there's all these other platforms that are popping up. I could list them all, but I'm not going to. And I've had a lot of you mail me and message me and say, how come you're over over here? Blah, 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 blah. I ain't doing it. I'm not jumping to other platforms yet. I'm staying right here. I am not going to be one of these these hysterical people that's like, oh, I hate Facebook and all that. I'm not going to do it because I'm just not. (laughs) I'm not doing it. I'm staying here and we're going to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ on these platforms to whoever God allows to see the show at this point. Why? Because we're called to be salt and light in a world of darkness and all the platforms that we're currently on are not christian they're they're owned by people who hate god and even more so just as bad they hate good which mean i mean they hate they're they're haters of good right why would anybody be afraid of another person's opinion if that if their ultimate goal wasn't to be you know a dictator or, or to control you america's going down people I hate to say it, but this is it. This is what's going down. America is going down. And in a couple of days of Joe Biden, regardless if we want to believe it was legit or not, I personally don't think it was, but, you know, <laughs> the, the coup is there, right? They're, they're, they're taking the White House and all the wicked policies of the left that they want to implement, which are socialist and communist and Marxist in nature, are going to be right there in your face. And as a Bible-believing disciple of Jesus Christ, you are going to have to make a choice. You know, just like Elijah did. You know, he, he, he had a battle up on Mount Carmel and with the, with the gods of Baal, Baal. And at the end of that battle, one of the things he basically says, who are you going to serve? If the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. Either way, you got to pick. 
who you're going to serve. And I'm going to tell you something is because I care. It's because I, re I really do care. I don't know if you actually know that, but I, I really, I do care. I really do. As Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to, to have peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? These are the fruits of the Spirit, some of them. And my question is, are you walking in that peace that he wants you to have? Okay, so just think about it. If you're not, <clears throat> then let me go like this. Go like that. Like, see, but if I could have you, I'd go like this. I'd like take your hands. I'd go so gently. I'd go, okay, honey, just, you know. Jesus is over there. Go ahead. Just look, look over there at him. Okay. And the best way to do that, to fix your eyes on Jesus, is to open your Bible up, people, <laughs> and read it. And not just read it, but memorize it and, and be in it and saturate your mind with the word of God, because that's how you're going to get through whatever's coming next. I'm just saying. Um, and I know it sounds like, oh, you're some crazy, crazy Christian woman. Whatever. Yeah, well, okay, whatever. You can call me that. I don't care. That's a badge of honor in my, <laughs> in my book. Because um, I know who I believe. And I know that he who created a good work in me is faithful to complete it until that day, you know. Um, and I know that the closer I am to Jesus, the bolder I'm going to be to be able to stand for him. And as I read earlier, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is nothing new. And America is not immune from persecution. And what I'm going to tell you is that, look, I believe with everything in me that if all this comes down, right, and there is no massive revolution and all this other stuff, however that would look, then as a believer, we, we have an opportunity. We have such a massive opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Such a massive opportunity. People are looking for hope and we have the answer. I, I, I heard this said a long time ago on Janet Parcel's show. But one of the examples that she gave is like, if you found out you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you tell everybody what it was? Of course you would. I mean, my mom died of cancer. Of course I would. If I knew, if I had the cure for cancer, I would be everywhere trying to tell people what the cure for cancer is. Well, we do. We have the cure for the cancer of the soul, right? We have the cure for eternity, for, for, you know, for those who are hopeless, who have no hope. We have Jesus that we can share and not like, not like the bumper sticker Jesus with the real Jesus. You know, the one that conquered the grave, the one that rose from the dead, the one that's up there right now interceding for us, the one that's going to come back and we're going to come with him. Right now, Jesus said that he would return again and 
he also said he also in his word tells us that the church is going to be taken out of this world at some point biblical prophecy has been fulfilled 100% accurately from the time it started getting fulfilled there's still some left and i guarantee you it's all going to be fulfilled perfectly the way it was already america's going down there america has to go down okay now am i happy about that no not necessarily but what I can tell you is it's going to go down a couple of ways. Either it's going to be long drawn out the way it's currently going, or the rapture is going to take place. The church is going to be gone. And then literally all hell on earth will be broken out. America is going to crash and implode. And then the rise of the Antichrist is going to come to power. And that guy is going to mesmerize the world. I mean, you know. And when that happens... Hopefully we won't be here. I mean, I'm a pre-tribber, so I don't think I'm going to be here. Um, but, but I will say um, that uh, there's hope. There's always hope. There's always hope, you know. And you guys have the answer, and the answer is in God's Word. If you read the Bible... You're going to find the answers and you're going to be bold. You're, I'm just telling you, and I keep, I keep saying this, but I don't think it's a mistake that you were called for such a time as this, to use a quote from Esther. Hadassah, Queen Esther. Right? So here's the thing. Let not your heart be troubled, people. Believe in God and do whatever it takes to walk in faith. And here's the thing. When you're walking in faith, that means you're just going, okay, one more foot out there in front of the other. You know, God doesn't necessarily say where we're going. He asks us to trust him. You know, that famous Proverbs passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I know. We're, we all want to do that, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will do that for you. But you got to trust him. Is it easy? No, because we like to look at sight, right? But I'm going to say, I'm going to say that, you know what? There's people who need you to share the gospel with them. And I'm going to tell you something. When this next administration gets in, they're going to do even more to silence you. They're going to, they're going to push the gay right lobby, the transgender lobby. They're going to be pushing the, the, the abortion lobby like you wouldn't believe Islam is going to be promoted. Um, anything that diametrically opposes God-written holy word, they're going to put out there. They're going to hate Israel. They're not going to be supporting Israel anymore, um, you know. Everything, and, and they're going to probably go after the church and try to shut down the church, you know? And let me just give you a little quick history about how they did that in China, okay? So here's a little known fact. Um, China, in China, Amityville Press is the largest Bible printer in the, in the world, okay? It happens to be in China. Ironic, because China is a communist nation, with a massive underground church, by the way. So in China, they have what they call the, the Three Self Church, which is the state-run government church where people can go in 
and listen to a pastor who will tell them what the government tells them to say, and they will not share the gospel-saving message of Jesus Christ in that church. Here's the other thing. They also have Bibles specifically printed for these churches with stamps inside them that are to be left in those churches, and if people come out of the church, you know, and, and stuff, um, they're not, they can't have that Bible, okay? America, we have a lot of churches that are biblical, right? They're generally littler churches. They're, they're smaller churches. Um, churches led by good little shepherds who love their little flocks, uh, who are mentoring and discipling, and they're preaching God's word, you know, uh, expository teaching it in context. They're getting it out there. There's some parachurch ministries out there that are doing the same thing. Um, but we also have a largely apostate church as well that's out there. I mean, I got some, you know, um, I, I will call one apostate out right now. His name is Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is one of the biggest apostates in our country. Um, there's never been a more charismatic apostate prosperity gospel teacher than this guy uh, who has won the hearts of millions of people who never open their Bible and read it. Why? Because he doesn't. And I recently, just so I could see firsthand, I recently gave them a little donation for his, his encouragement cube thing, because this is how he gets donations. And the mail that I am now getting from Joel Osteen is amazing. I mean, today I got something. It had a handwritten, it was a handwritten envelope. It was legitly handwritten. It wasn't actually a printed thing. It was literally handwritten. And I opened it up and inside they were talking about how my healing is coming. And they had this cute little note. And you could tell this was a handwritten note from some, probably some old lady they have on staff working for free. And I, I, I looked at that and I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm, tr I'm totally like, <laughs> and, and the letter had nothing to do with Jesus or the gospel at all. Complete heresy. And yet people are eating this and all that and, and all that. So it's like, it's, it's just sickening. It's sappy, sickening stuff. It just, it's just tragic. And then you also have the downfall of the main evangelical church. I won't even talk about Wheaton College and, and what they've put out recently as far as, you know, condemning things with Trump. And then we got um, uh, Robbie Zacharias and all the, the scandal going on with him, you know, even though he's dead now. Um, it, you know, there, it's just a mess. It's a mess out there. But what I will say is that there is a remnant. And the remnant is people who are walking close with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. It's time to get serious. And I've said this before. If you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not in his word, you need to, you need to get serious. Because one day, you will be standing before God. And one day, he's going to either say to you, Hey, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. 
or he's going to say, I didn't know you. Depart from me. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to hear that last one. And I'm also going to tell you that I want to see you there. I, when, I, when we're in heaven, I want to go, hey, there's Vicki Hanky. I know her. She made it. Yeah, she did. <laughs> you know, I want to go, hey, there's somebody over there. You know, I want, I, I'm going to say, we'll, we'll hug each other up there. Have you ever thought about that? You know, I don't know how that's going to work, but maybe it'll be a whole little Bible news radio section. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I just can't emphasize this enough. Um, and, and I'm not doing it for the money, right? I mean, I am not sitting here yelling at you, telling you something I'm not doing myself, right? Because uh, that's one thing I, I don't do. If, if I'm telling you to do something, it's because I'm doing it. And, and I can tell you the benefit of it. And it, it's, it's, really, it's time to get serious. It's time to get serious. Do we like what's going on in our nation? No, but we're not immune. We're not immune from persecution. And the, the best way to stand up against persecution is to know the one that we're standing up for. If, you're, if you will fall under persecution if you're not following Christ, bottom line. You will stand if you are, and you may die. You know, and I, 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 uh, it's a little bit off on a tangent, but I got to share this because I shared it and I saw this the other night. Um, and I, I got to share it because it's, it's kind of, it's just so cool. Okay. So I've been talking about this God time together thing. You're probably all sick of hearing me talk about this, but, um, this is where we get together and we hang out on Zoom and then we say, hey, I'm going to read here in the Bible. And then we shut off our cameras, go away for a half hour and then we read and then um, and then come back and then we share what we what we got. And um, in Revelation chapter seven, beginning in verse nine, this is what it says. Check this out. This is very cool. It says, after these things, um, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, referring to John, those who are clothed in the white robes, who are they and where have they come from? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will, they were, they will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So I read that, and um, I was 
I was stunned by what I read. Because we always read that, that passage at the very end about wiping the tears away from our eyes. We, we read it out of context. You know, we always think that applies to everybody. But it doesn't. In this passage, the context is the martyrs during the Great Tribulation. That's what that's talking about. Just I've just read it to you. The martyrs, or like how long, O oh Lord, before our, our blood is avenged? And then it shows what the martyrs are going to do there. And by the way, in case you don't know, the word martyr actually means witness. It means witness. And so the martyrs, the Lord, is going to wipe every tear away from their eye. So there's going to be martyrs during the Great Tribulation period. Hopefully, we, you know, we won't be there for that. We'll be gone we'll, because the rapture will take place. But there's going to be salvation on the earth after that. And people are going to die for Christ. Because they didn't do it. They, because they <laughs> didn't become a Christian before that, right? So here's, here's the thing. How about you consider following Jesus now? before we get to that place. See, you don't have to be one of those martyrs if you decide to stay and go through it the hard way. Uh, you know, I mean, God allows certain things, but but God is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, those martyrs. And there's going to be a lot of them. Um, and the Great Tribulation is going to be the Great Tribulation. I'm going to tell you something, too. If you look at Revelation chapter 6, if you just scroll back a chapter, I'm going to go ahead and, do that. Here's here's a verse that you might want to pay attention to. This is so good. Check this out. Okay, so Revelation chapter 6 talks about the, the great seals. The seals that the Lamb of God, can he breaks, right? Well, if you look at verse 1 of Revelation 6, what it talks about, it says here, Then I saw... When the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come, in verse 2, I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. That is the Antichrist, right there. And we know that because he had a bow and not a sword. And we also know it because the crown that he was wearing was an Olympic-type crown, as opposed to the diadem crown that... Jesus, the king of kings, will wear on his white horse in Revelation 19. So the Antichrist is going to be, when that seal is broken, he's coming out. All right. But then if you go down all the way to the bottom, you look through the different seals that are being broken. And the response of the kings of the earth in verse 15 of Revelation 6 says, Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains and they said to the mountains and to the rocks fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand jesus is that lamb and you know what? The world today, I'm going to tell you, yesterday on Twitter, Christ Jesus was trending. And 
it was nothing but a bunch of mockery of my Jesus that they were mocking. You know, and mockers and scoffers will come. That's prophesied and we're living in that day. But I'm going to tell you, there is a there is a day when the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is going to pour out his wrath on the kings of the world and all that we just read. And they're not going to be able to get away from it. This is very serious, people. This is very serious that the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath, these are the unbelieving people, has come. Who's able to stand? Nobody's going to be able to stand. You know, this is biblical Christianity, not not your your fluffy prosperity gospel Christianity. This is Christianity, people. This is reality. The wrath of the Lamb is going to come. There's going to be martyrs. There's going. This stuff is going to happen. And my question is, are you ready? Are you, are you ready? Are you ready? If you knew you were going to die tonight, would you, would you be one that Jesus said, hey, I don't know you. Depart from me. Or would he say, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Which side would you be? There is no middle ground. Where would you be? Where would you be? Let me make it simple for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come in the world to condemn it but to save the world. And he tells us very clearly in his word that if we confess our sins, he is righteous and faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it also says that he died while we were yet, when we were enemies, he died for us. But it also says in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse 12, where Jesus says this. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, there's this lie in the culture that says that we're all children of God. That's not true. Actually, the default position is we're all children of wrath, meaning we're on our way to hell. And the, I mean, because boop, I mean, that's the default, right? And Jesus is the switch. You could flip it. You can go that way. I actually heard a really quote. You know, once you receive Jesus, once you receive him, then it says he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. You are not a child of God unless you believe on the name of Jesus Christ. That's the fact. Okay. I actually heard an elderly lady this week say, um, she said, for the, um, for the Christian, hell is on earth right now. For the unbeliever, what we're going through, what they're going through right now, for the unbeliever, this is heaven. So for the believer, this is as worse as it's going to get for us. 
But for the unbeliever, this is the best it's going to get for them. And I don't know about you, but I would rather have my, my friends, my family, my loved ones, the people that don't know Jesus come with me to heaven and spend time with Jesus for all eternity so that they don't have to endure the wrath to come and go to hell. And this is not a conversation people want to have. They don't want to believe hell exists, but it does. So I just want to say that and let you know that, you know, there, there are answers to the problems that you have. And there are, um, there are, there's, there's hope and there's help in God's word. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. Look, God's word is awesome. But most believers have been tricked into not reading it. What do I mean? And, and, And this is what I've been learning. So how many of you have Jesus calling the devotional? I have it. I got it. I don't have it. I don't have it because I actually like it or I wanted to read it. I got it for research purposes because it seems like everybody under the sun is reading the book. Most people look at the devotional. They'll read the words of people and they won't. They won't. And there might be a little verse of scripture and then they'll read it and they'll go, oh, yeah, I have my quiet time with God. But they're not reading the Bible. They're reading a they're not they're reading a devotional, which most of the time is not biblical anyway. Right. So. Read the Bible. Before you can't read the Bible, because I'm going to tell you something. If communism is ultimately the goal of the Biden administration or whatever administration it's going to end up being, your religious freedom is going to be continued to be taken away. And no, I'm not being a fear monger. If you look at the democratic policies, their goal is godless. And just like China, they have the three self church. It's not a mistake that the stuff going on in California, just as an example, and by the way, Gavin Newsom is the nephew of Pelosi, just saying. So all that religious persecution going on in California, and it's happening other places too, you're just not hearing about it. Um, they're trying to silence the church, the biblical church, the regular church they don't care about because the, the regular prosperity gospel, fake her- heretical church isn't doing anything. <laughs> You know, they're not doing anything except getting money. That's all they're doing. Uh, While little ministries like mine and, you know, missions ministries and stuff like that, you know, we're like living on a wing and a prayer every day, waiting for the money to come in so that we can pay our our phone bill, you know, because I'm not about the money. And I know God will provide, and he has in some very cool ways. I have great stories to tell, and I still don't know who it was who sent me some elderberry. But whoever it was, thank you. Because it makes me feel pretty good, actually. But anyway, the point is that it's time to take your faith seriously. And, and, I, and I mean that. I mean it with everything in me. And I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's a challenge to live by faith. But here's the thing. Have you read Hebrews 11 lately? <laughs> <laughs> look at some of the faith that these people had to go through. I mean, look at Abraham, right? Here's a guy who him and his wife got pregnant really late in life. That was a miracle in itself. But then God says, hey, go ahead, offer up that kid I just gave you. You know, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that I could have done that. 
But that's why Abraham is one of my favorites, because he, he was such a man of faith. He was a friend of God. He was a friend. He was a friend, you know, and yet he did it and God provided. And I mean, it's just so cool. You know, you look at Daniel, you know, Daniel lived in a, um, Daniel lived in a, um, a, in Babylon in a time where the government hated him so much. They picked on him in particular. They, they came up with a law so that he couldn't pray the way that he always did. And they basically said, hey, we're going to pass this law. And if you don't bow to this idle thing here over here, you're gone. We're going to throw you into the fire or the den or whatever it was. And <laughs> or both. And 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 then we'll see what's going on. And of course, God delivered Daniel. Um, but but, you know, but Daniel had to do it. He had to stand or kneel. You know, and and, you know, we all do. We all do. But here's the good news. The good news is, Shelly, out there, I see you. And and Tammy, I see you. And Vicki and Brian and Mark and whoever else out there. The good news is we serve a God who loves us. And I go back to Peter. I was reading Peter. You remember when Peter denied Jesus, right? He denied him three times. And, and Jesus, so cool. He's like, hey, Pete. You know, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. I'm sure he didn't say it that way, but, you know, anyway. And Peter's like, no, I won't. I'll never deny you. And next thing you know, a girl's asking him, hey, are you with that guy? And Peter's like, I don't know who that guy is. And then cock-a-doodle-doo, you know. <laughs> and th things happen, right? And then Jesus dies. He rises from the dead. He goes around. He appears to people, walks through his walls. He's like, hey. Hello, people, I'm back. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, Peter's sitting there. And um, next thing you know, he's being invited to breakfast. <clears throat> and, um, and Jesus has this conversation with Peter. And he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Agape me? Peter's like, no, you know I have phileo you, which means you know I love you as a friend, not like unconditionally like I would die for you, basically. Jesus says, hey, Pete, you're going to, do you flail me? Pete's like, hey, yeah, you know I do. You know I flail you. And Jesus basically says, feed my sheep or whatever. God meets us where we're at. And you know the interesting thing about that whole story with Peter and, and, and Jesus after he was, he raised from the dead is that Jesus, that Peter ultimately died for Christ he did agape Christ. And Jesus knew that he would. You know, if you look at Gideon, <clears throat> Gideon is referred to as a valiant warrior. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and yet Gideon, he's like, hey, God, I have an idea. How about you? Uh, I'm going to put this fleece out here and you can make it wet for me. And this will prove that you're God or whatever. And uh, God's like, sure, why not? It's wet, the ground around it's dry. And Gideon's like, hey, I have an idea. How about we do it the opposite time? This time, God, wink, wink, hey, you know. And God, he's just like, sure, why not? So he does it the opposite way. <laughs> the Bible has some good stuff in it. But if you're paying attention to who Christ is, 
He loves you. He loves his people. And, you know, uh, I was thinking about my dad uh, I, I before this. Okay, now I'm getting into a heart moment. So just, you know, this will be a good moment. So my dad's 92. He's got dementia. He's old. He's, he's ailing. He's got COVID right now. He's had a couple of hard days. But Sunday, I had a meeting with him on Zoom. And, um, and my dad's sitting there. And he's such an old, old man. My dad is. He's just very old. And I was thinking about him. When in his younger years, just 30 years ago, I was thinking back to how my dad looked and uh, compared to now. And I'm just, you know, my dad's unshaven and has a hard time taking care of himself. And he's, he's frail. He can't barely, he can't barely get up. But I'm talking to my dad and um, I'm like, hey, dad, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? You know, he's like, hey, everything's great. (laughs) This guy with dementia, Parkinson's, he smells. I mean, it's really bad. His health is not the the best. But my dad's like, oh, everything's great. And um, and I and it was getting close to his dinner time. And so he's like, hey, I need to go and eat dinner or I'm not going to get to eat anything. And I'm like, "Okay, dad, you know, and um. So he's like, I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. I love you, dad. And he's like, I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. (laughs) And I have this recorded, so it's cute. But what struck me was my dad sounded like a child. He is an old man. He's 92. And yet to look at my dad, his countenance is like a child. His smile is like a child. The joy that he has, believe it or not, is crazy. It's like he's this little kid. And, but I look at him because he's my dad and I'm his kid. And, and I'm like, how my dad looks at me, I think is how God looks at me with a, with a smile. And he says, I love you. That's how God looks at us. God looks at us with this smile. He's like, I love you. I really do. I love you a lot. You know? You know, we look, sometimes we look at God like I look at my dad, like this old ailing man. But what does my old dad know that I don't know? I'm 52. He's 92. He knows a lot I don't know. And just because he has dementia doesn't mean he doesn't know anything and he doesn't think about stuff. He does. My dad's a pretty deep guy. How much more so the one that created the heavens and the earth, who gave us a book so so that we could get to know him personally, you know? I mean, what other God does that? What other God in the world communicated to his people the way that ours did and not only just give us the book to read but a holy spirit to come and live inside of us so that it opens up and, uh, and we we can read it and understand it it's like I, I look at the holy spirit and i don't mean no any disrespect to the holy spirit but he's like the secret decoder ring to understanding the bible it's like without the holy spirit you can't get it 
But with the Holy Spirit, it's like, whoa, it opens up. It makes complete sense. Right? And, you know, here's the thing. We can grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin. Right? But God, God loves us. He gave us a way of escape for that. Right? He, he, he told me, he, he said, if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us. He also gives us a conscience so that if we're struggling and we listen to that conscience and we go, mm, okay, I'm going to make the right choice. I'm going to tell you something. I was recently in a situation and I'm, this is a true story. I was, I was in a situation of my own making and I was tempted to sin. And I, I was, I was, I was just really tempted and I'm like, okay, God, look, I know, I know, I know, I know I shouldn't do this. I'm not, I'm going to do it, you know? And, and there are times it's like, oh, I so want to do this. I'm so being tempted by my flesh. I so want to go do this, you know, or say this or whatever. And that particular day, it was a victorious day. And I stood up, I'm like, no, Lord, I am going to be obedient to you today. I am going to be obedient. I am not going to do this. I am not going to cave into my fleshly desires. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to tell you what happened. As a result of that, there was part of that stronghold was broke because I didn't give into it and said I chose to deal with that situation in a completely different way. And the other interesting thing is too, and I will say, I will say this is regardless of whatever the sin is that you struggle with, the more you get into God's word, the more he is going to heal that in you. And you're going to go, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to struggle with that anymore because I'm so saturating my mind with God's word and the truth that it's not going to be a, a, a draw or a temptation anymore. Or maybe if it is a temptation, it'll be easy, easier to resist because you're like, hey, I don't want to do that. Because when you draw near to God, in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. When you do that, it's a lot harder to sin against somebody who's so close to you. Have you ever noticed that when you actually go to try to sin, if you're by yourself, it's a lot easier, isn't it? But if somebody's sitting there and you're like, hmm, I wonder if I should do this. <laughs> and you're like, you're not as apt to do it because somebody's right there. I can tell you the closer you get to the Lord, it's the same thing. You're like, yeah, you know, it's probably not a good idea. And last time you disciplined me, I didn't really like it a whole lot. So I think I'm just going to stay right here, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, it's funny. My dad, getting back to my dad just for a second. My dad, I didn't grow up with my dad. So I didn't have the fatherly discipline of my dad. I just, I didn't grow up with my dad. My parents were divorced. But I will tell you, even though I'm his power of attorney, I'm his eldest daughter and child, that there have been a few times in caring for him the last seven years where I've kind of exerted my authority over my dad and basically said, hey, you're going to do this or whatever. And my dad raises his voice just about that much and says to me, better watch it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're my dad. I'm not your mom. <laughs> Although I kind of am his mom. Um, but, you know, there's that there there have been that time, those few times where my dad's kind of kind of like let me know hey, I'm still your dad, so you need to pay attention. 
And that's what he'll say. He'll say something like that. He'll say, pay attention to me. Pay attention to what I just said. You know, not in a mean way, but in a corrective way. And that's how God is. If you read his word, that's what he tells you. But he gives you that instruction so that you're like, okay, this is the decision I'm going to make. Right? This is where I'm, I'm going to go. So, um, yeah, anyway, so that's that's my my encouragement to you. And I... And I um, I have a question. So, and you, those of you who are left, um, I do have one more clip of Donald Trump I was going to play. It's about five minutes long. So, those of you who are left, I'll give you the chance. Do you want me to play that, or would you like me just to end the show on this note? <laughs> it doesn't matter to me either way. I already know what Donald Trump said. Um, but, uh, you know, I am curious. So, majority will rule. So let's see here. I'll wait for some responses. I don't know if anybody's talking to me anywhere anyway. Okay, They're active. They're saying play. Okay. All right. So in that case, let's uh, let's go get back to the political part of the show. And we'll go ahead and we will play this last clip of Donald Trump. I just want to give Donald, you know, an opportunity to share his thoughts uh, because he's still our president and the mainstream media is not really letting him have a voice. Uh, so what clip we have here, <laughs> we'll play it in case maybe you didn't see it. So this is about five minutes, and this is courtesy of C-SPAN from the White House's website. All right. Let me uh, cue things up here for better user experience. Okay, good. President Trump condemned the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol in a video posted on Twitter from the White House. He also addressed potential threats of violence ahead of Inauguration Day, but did not acknowledge the House voting to impeach him for the second time. Why would he? My fellow Americans, I want to speak to you tonight about the troubling events of the past week. As I have said, the incursion of the U.S. Capitol struck at the very heart of our republic. It angered and appalled millions of Americans across the political spectrum. I want to be very clear. I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Making America great again has always been about defending the rule of law supporting the men and women of law enforcement, and upholding our nation's most sacred traditions and values. Mob violence goes against everything I believe in and everything our movement stands for. No true supporter of mine could ever endorse political violence. No true supporter of mine could ever disrespect law enforcement or our great American flag. No true supporter of mine could ever threaten or harass their fellow Americans. If you do any of these things, you are not supporting our movement. You are attacking it, and you are attacking our country. We cannot tolerate it. Tragically, over the course of the past year, made so difficult because of COVID-19, we have seen political violence spiral out of control. We have seen too many riots, too many mobs, too many acts of intimidation, 
and destruction. It must stop. Whether you are on the right or on the left, a Democrat or a Republican, there is never a justification for violence. No excuses, no exceptions. America is a nation of laws. Those who engaged in the attacks last week will be brought to justice. Now I am asking everyone who has ever believed in our agenda to be thinking of ways to ease tensions, calm tempers, and help to promote peace in our country. There has been reporting that additional demonstrations are being planned in the coming days, both here in Washington and across the country. I have been briefed by the U.S. Secret Service <clears throat> on the potential threats. Every American deserves to have their voice heard in a respectful and peaceful way. That is your First Amendment right. But I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. Everyone must follow our laws and obey the instructions of law enforcement. I have directed federal agencies to use all necessary resources to maintain order. In Washington, D.C., we are bringing in thousands of National Guard members to secure the city and ensure that a transition can occur safely and without incident. Like all of you, I was shocked and deeply saddened by the calamity at the Capitol last week. I want to thank the hundreds of millions of incredible American citizens who have responded to this moment with calm, moderation, and grace. We will get through this challenge just like we always do. I also want to say a few words about the unprecedented assault on free speech we have seen in recent days. These are tense and difficult times. The efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist our fellow citizens are wrong, and they are dangerous. What is needed now is for us to listen to one another, not to silence one another. All of us can choose, by our actions, to rise above the rancor and find common ground and shared purpose. We must focus on advancing the interests of the whole nation, delivering the miracle vaccines, defeating the pandemic, rebuilding the economy, protecting our national security, and upholding the rule of law. Today, I am calling on all Americans to overcome the passions of the moment and join together as one American people. Let us choose to move forward united for the good of our families, our communities, and our country. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. So, uh, there you go. You heard what he said. Also, I should tell you, there, there's a lot of news out there that I'm getting that obviously I've decided to spend more time sharing the gospel as opposed to read some of this stuff. But one of the, one of the, the top stories that you can go look up um, is that a Black Lives Matter activist who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, he has been charged. So 
a Black Lives Matters activist is no friend of Donald Trump. Just saying. And there's a lot more to that out there. In fact, there's some video that I could forward over on my Twitter account, which, by the way, has been shadow banned. Uh, my Bible News Radio Twitter account, I was, you know, I tweeted. I don't, I'm not highly active over there, but I will say I've quoted scripture, tweeted some pro-Trump stuff. And when I go in and look at the stats, I have like 10,000 plus followers there on that account. Every other tweet of mine is zero stats, zero visibility on every other tweet of mine. So even my account is being banned um, and shadow banned on Twitter, which I'm not surprised by. But just so you know, there is stuff out there and there are people, you know, who have uncovered the truth um, and all that. But hey, here's the thing. God is God is sovereign. He's allowing things to unroll the way that they are. And my encouragement and my purpose in tonight's show was to say, okay, here's one worldview. Here's the other worldview. You look at what worldview is the closest to Jesus's worldview, and that's the one you listen to the most. Most importantly, though, if you open the Bible and read it, that's the voice you want to listen to more than anything. You don't want to listen to the lying mainstream media because they're not telling you the truth. And if you want to be bold in your faith... I always say at the end of the show, be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. The reason I say that and the reason why I am bold is because I'm in his word. And Peter and James and John, they walked with Christ and they preached the gospel with boldness. Why? Because they were close to Christ. You want to be bold in your faith? Spend time with Jesus and you will be. Uh, So we'll be back tomorrow night. Same time, same bat channel people. Yeah, we will. And so like I always say, be bold. People, stand up and go with God because he loves you a lot.